Welcome to Drew vs. The World, a podcast about living, loving, and laughing, getting inspiration through information, where it's just not Drew versus World, it's actually you versus the world. Today on the podcast, we have Holly Shannon. How are you doing today, Holly? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Drew. I'm glad we're finally together with no avatars talking to each other. <laughs> so what, what Holly is alluding to is that um, she is a a mover and shaker in the clubhouse community and through the means of the hallways i we our paths have crossed many of a time um through you hosting podcast rooms and you actually being um friends actually connections with like people that i actually um follow on clubhouse as well and every time has been amazing um so that's why i had to have you on Thank you. I enjoy having you in the room too. We have some great conversations. Thank you so much. Um, so here on the Traversed World, I start off with a very existential question. And the existential question is, who is Holly Shannon? Who is Holly Shannon? Wow. We could go deep or, or not on that, right? Let's go deep. <laughs> the whole thing about Traversed World is <sighs> we go deep. Holly Shannon is a lifelong learner, very uncomfortable sitting quietly. I always am on the move. I always want to be on to the next adventure, the next trip, the next level. Um, I just enjoy, I enjoy traveling and being around people. I get a lot of energy from being around people. Um, so Holly Shannon is somebody who, uh, feeds off of being around others and having big experiences. Would you call yourself an extrovert or introvert? Uh, it's a great question. I have always been an extrovert. Uh, what was, I think, part of COVID and maybe a little before that, because I lived in a remote area for a long time, mm-hmm. um, I actually have learned to sort of lean in on my introvert side that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. And it's been a huge learning process for me. But um, being able to be quiet with yourself is a gift. And, and not one where all that comes easily to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've learned a lot about myself, like in the past couple of years by virtue of doing that. So I am an extrovert, but I feel like I have introvert tendencies now. Yes, yes, yes. I think we all had to learn that through, you know, these weird times because I would consider myself extrovert as well um, and had to learn how to sit my butt down and just kind of like be in the house and mentally just look over my entire life you know um so mm-hmm. i think that's important as an extrovert to get that moments of clarity because also i i would say i have introvert tendencies as well because sometimes i just don't like people sometimes i just don't <laughs> want to be like i just don't want to be at a party or don't want to be in this in a room with people i'm just like hey let me be by myself in this corner with my you know my beer or my drink with my phone and I'll be happy for days. You don't have to come and talk mm. to me, bartender. Leave me alone. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I love that. But um, also, as far as, are, do you feel like, you, you say that you kind of feed off of people. Do you feel like you're empathetic in any way? 
when it comes to people's like emotions and people's feelings? I actually think it's my superpower. I, mm. I feel like I have a very high level of EQ. Um, I may not be the smartest person in the room and I don't really care if I am. Um, but I think I have a very high level of emotional, um, uh, etiquette and empathy. And I think while it used to be something I was almost embarrassed about that it was, oh, you're so sensitive. Um, you take everything so personally. I have found that um, it is a superpower for me because I think I see people, I hear them, I'm actively listening. I actually hear, you know, what they're feeling and what they're really saying. I'm not glazing over it just to show how important or smart I am. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, that actually it's something I have and I'm very proud of it now. That's hyper important to, to learn about yourself hundred percent because I emotional intelligence I think is something that people <laughs> try to learn their whole life and for you to know that <laughs> immediately like at a certain point is is very 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 important um so let's let's go into kind of the bio or the origin of Holly Shannon where are you from originally Connecticut really yeah yeah, born and raised okay. in Connecticut and um, got married there, raised my son there. Uh, mm -hmm. My family's still there. So lots of roots in Connecticut. I love it. I, I mean, it's just a beautiful state. Um, mm -hmm. But recently we moved to D.C. Um, because I usually like to wait for like a pandemic or something to move because I'm, you know, an adventurer, right? So I wait for the best possible moment to do things like that. Uh, and we're in the midst of an election too. So just throw a couple more things in there. Um, but I moved to DC recently. I lived out of a hotel for three months and I now have a place here. Um, over in the Logan area, and mm -hmm. I love it. I always wanted a city experience, and uh, here I am. So in Connecticut, were you in like a small town, small space? Yeah, you know, I grew up in a town that was pretty small, that but got bigger because it was on the corridor leading towards New York City, so it became highly populated. Mm. Uh, when I moved from there, I moved to a very small area in northwest Connecticut called Litchfield County, um, and Litchfield County is uh, a quaint little area that uh, actually was probably about one-third transient, like people would have second homes there. So they would come and go from New York City. Uh, a huge creative population, a lot of like writers, dancers, actors, like it's this little, little quiet place that it's got like a lot of creative energy to it. So I really thrived there. Um, I raised my son there. I had a, a pretty decent jewelry business for a while. And um, so yeah, did a lot of things there. Grew up a lot there. Did you say jewelry business? Yeah, I was, um, that was sort of one of my reinvention careers. So mm -hmm. um, I'd been in the event space. Um, I worked in boutique hospitality, really mm -hmm. high-end hospitality, actually. Um, and then when I had my son, I needed something that would allow me to be home. And I 
like to learn, as you already know about me. <laughs> so I'm largely self-taught and I learned everything from really classical lost wax casting to spending a February online learning 3D printing just to see if there was an application for my jewelry. And um, so it's really great. I, I, I learned a lot. I produced a lot of interesting collections and um, worked with some top designers. I was very fortunate to work with uh, Rachel Roy, with Rockaware, uh, Mimi Plange. I, mm -hmm. I got to do some really cool things along the way and um, still have those friendships, still have the jewelry and the experience, but um, I'm not doing that right now. So as far as boutique hospitality, can you explain to me what that is? Yeah, so it's not a chain. It's like a smaller property. Um, the When I worked there, it had 25 rooms. Um, they have since been bought by a larger arm called Auberge Resort. So Auberge mm -hmm. Resort owns about 25 properties. Um, but the boutique hotels tend to be small. They're one-offs. They're not replicated. It's not like going to a Hilton, a Hilton mm -hmm. in DC, New York, or Kenny Bunkport is going to be the same product. Mm -hmm. um, the Mayflower Inn and Spa where I worked was really unique. Um, it had a personality all its own. Um, and so now, as I said, it's under um, the management of Auberge. It's great because they still respect the boutique piece of it, that each yes. property has its unique location, uh, unique people that work there, its diverse community um, and landscape. So it's, uh, it was a beautiful hotel. When I was there, it was the only five-star, five-diamond Relay and Chateau property in the Northeast, and there was only three in the country that could say that. So I was really schooled in white glove service, mm -hmm. um, and so I learned a lot uh, actually working there. It was really fantastic. So what, what got you into that? That sounds like a super niche like career. Right. What got you into yeah. that super niche career? So like podcasting super niche too. I, <laughs> um, so I had been in the event space planning. I had worked for a medical company. I'd worked for the world's largest trade show management company, and I built really huge conferences and trade shows around the country. Mm. Um, and I would work with hotels and I would work with conference centers and so I was all like live experiential events. Virtual wasn't something that people really bought into only because yeah. of COVID that did they. Um, and so I always did really big events and I had moved to that little quiet area in Litchfield County and started my own business doing events mm -hmm. and uh, corporate retreats and, and private uh, events. And I got recruited from the Mayflower because we had worked together a couple of times uh, to come on board as their director of sales. So I was there for about four years doing all of the corporate retreats. So that would be like your C-suite level, board mm -hmm. level retreats that would come in for three, four days, uh, doing team building, uh, working on, you know, their, their master plan for the year. Um, so I got to work very closely with companies like Goldman Sachs and, uh, 
you know, Harry Winston Jewelers, um, medical companies. Uh, it was pretty interesting. So I had a great time. It was a, it was really a, a beautiful area to to build great events at. Yeah, and I, I assume great networking opportunities has kind of rolled you your talents of, you know, creating these events and moving into you know creating your own jewelry company. It was kind of like a smooth transition correct or what well yeah i mean i think being able to um open doors ask uh to collaborate mm-hmm. to um be creative in a marketing sense yeah i think i probably took that with me and i did have some networking from different companies that um i had befriended along the way so mm-hmm. yeah there's probably a little bit of that um but a lot of it was just, you know, was a different industry. Accessories and jewelry is really different. Um, but it did help me place my jewelry in boutique hotels because I knew how mm. to get into the gift shops and that type of thing. So that was good. And what, what kind of jewelry were you creating? Uh, I did actually a l- fashion jewelry and fine jewelry. So okay. I had two parallel collections almost all the time because um, fashion jewelry is generally in that 50 to $500 range. So it's more accessible. Um, and then my fine jewelry was like 1500 to 6,000 for a piece, depending on the type of stones I was using. What is your, would you say your favorite piece that you, even to this day, you're like, I worked magic on that one. You know what? I'm going to say I had this honeycomb collection that I created using 3D printing, which I think I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really sure I wanted to jump on a computer and create jewelry because I'm very (laughs) tactical. Like I love Mm -hmm. playing around with materials. I loved firing up the torch and hammering and cutting and, and Mm -hmm. I taught classes on it. Like I really loved that piece of it. It was very um, tactile. Um, so doing 3d printing was a huge departure because basically you were drawing what you wanted. You were taking a picture of it and using the JPEG file, and then you were uploading it into several layers of software, um, so that you could get it, um, you know, the computer system to identify it as a solid piece, if you will. So it would go through like a .svg and a .stl file, and it would change names depending on the different creative software I was using. Um, And then finally, in the last piece um, was when it would get, uh, it would become 3D. So I had created a collection I had printed it in flexible nylon plastic and then the piece came to me and I used some of my jewelry tools like a jeweler saw to cut pieces Mm. and parts of it to create the shape that I wanted from it. And I made earrings and a necklace. Um, Actually, the earrings I had to go back and thin out so that it was light enough for the ear And then I went back to the original piece and made it bigger and wider. And I made a a huge cuff bracelet from it. So it was so cool using technology 
And then some of my tools, like I was shaping all the bracelets with the mandrel. Um, mm. I was adding stones and chain to the pendants. And then I was thinning out and making earrings with the ear wire. So there was like this um, 3D piece, this computer element to it. And then it had it still had the tactile. So I was really proud of that collection because it was such a, a, an interesting connection, like an intersection mm -hmm. of the two. So I liked that one a lot. Yeah, it's like when technology met, meets art. It's like mm -hmm. a great collaboration that worked together. It's like, that's, that's awesome. What, so yeah. what made you all of a sudden say, hey, I need to use a 3D printer? Did somebody push you towards using it? Or were you just interested in the space? Or have you seen, did you see it before? Like, Well, you know what, Drew? It's a great question. I love to learn and I also hate being behind the curve. And so for me, it was coming on deck as a tool in the jewelry space. And I didn't want to be left behind. I wanted to see, did, did it have a place for me in my creative process? And so I would not know that unless I learned it and I applied it. And so I did that. And it actually informed some of my work which is kind of cool to know that I could use it again and I understand um, how it could be a part of the process for me. Um, so it was really just knowing, does it have a place for me in the process? Yes or no. And uh, I just also thought it was really nice to have a collection that was a new interpretation of my work. So I just like to grow all the time. I'm always learning new things. I'm really not afraid of anything you throw at me. I, I love that. It seems like you're super, super like, I want to do this. How can I learn how to do it? And I'm going to do it. I, I, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that, that spirit, that fighting spirit. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's, it's magical because a lot of the times people go and put things on a wayside and like, uh, oh, maybe, you know, I, I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm just going to do the same thing for 12 years. Instead, you reinvent yourself by learning 3D printing of all things, <laughs> of all things. Like who, right. who, who's really thinking about that in the jewelry space? I know. Exactly. It's true. But it's, it's the future, you know? Yeah. So Everything. I, I, yeah. You have to, you have to be open. Exactly. And this kind of like, there's a great, great parallel into your podcast, Culture Factor Podcast, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a podcast about <clears throat> about culture within companies and also how to build a podcast mm -hmm. for companies, right? And then that leads you into your book, Zero to Podcast, which also is an amalgamation of how you created your own podcast and then also how you should too, basically. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like a you should too book as well. So that's why I kind of want to drill down into your other businesses and kind of like, now let's, how did you start culture for factor culture factor podcast? And when did you start it? So I started culture factor, uh, 2.0 a year ago mm -hmm. and it was completely by accident. Cause that's how I roll. <laughs> right. We sort of learned that about Holly Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, um, I, 
have, you know, a lot of background in, in writing and content. And I was working with a startup, um, doing their, um, website for them, all the content for their website, as well as their sales decks. And in the process of doing that, um, he brought me on board. It was a startup. So, you know, it was, it was a gamble, right? Will it survive? Who knows? (laughs) So, um, you know, spoiler alert, it didn't, but I, I got to, um, you know, flex that side because what happened was we decided that we were going to start a podcast Mm -hmm. and the guy I was working with had gotten involved in the user interface side of the SaaS platform he was building. And I'd already done the content around, um, like I said, the website and the sales decks for it. So I was kind of hands off now and said, you know, I'll take the podcast. I kind of always wanted to try that. So zero to podcast in three weeks. And I launched with four episodes. I learned everything from YouTube university and Google docs everywhere I could find, um, on the internet. And, um, I launched the podcast and realized I really like it. I love the audio medium. I love the quality of voice and I love conversation and, it was just, it was a really good fit for Holly Shannon. And as I mentioned that spoiler alert, that, um, that (laughs) company did not come to fruition, but I ended up with the podcast and in October I rebranded it a little bit because I wanted to be able to talk about business culture as a whole. And when it was first created, it was a little bit more of a focus on company culture. And I felt that, Um, it needed rebranding because the climate's changing, right? We've had COVID and everybody, our workforce became disparate and all Mm -hmm. over the world. And so company culture really took a hit um, and how we do business together and how companies stay productive and keep employees healthy and, and strong is different. Um, so I felt like the conversation needed to keep moving that direction to be relevant. And, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Actually, it hit the top 3%. It was ranked globally. And I think that is because I kept the conversation relevant. Like I, I rolled with the, what was happening out there, what people were really talking about. And I didn't stay stagnant and true to the original manifestation of it, which was conversations from the C-suite, culture eat strategy for breakfast. It was stale and old now. It was not the conversation. So I've shifted it and I'm pretty happy about that. And um, I've been still shifting it. And uh, I hope my audience will be patient with me as I'm learning as well, like what really is sticky, like what people really enjoy talking about and listening to, uh, cause it's for them. Right. Um, so like I've taken on subjects like, uh, freelance culture, you know, mm. where a lot of people lost their jobs from COVID it's become a gig economy. Yeah. That's a whole culture within itself. Right. Um, direct to consumer has Mm -hmm. gotten really big, you know, everybody's online ordering. So, you know, how companies work directly with partnerships and with their customer, there's a whole culture in there as well. So like I, I'm doing my best to shift the narrative and keep it relevant. And, uh, 
So that's where I'm at with culture factor right now. That the podcast, the la- your last podcast that you did, uh, I forgot the um, young lady's name, but it was about her traveling in a van and having her own business. Um, yeah. That, that one was, it just, I never would have thought about that <laughs> and it really opened my eyes. So that's another type of culture. Again, I would never have, it's your podcast is wonderful. If anybody oh, hasn't thanks. told you that today, your podcast is wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review. It's my mantra. <laughs> I don't know how to say now, anything else anymore. It's, yeah, now it's, it's follow, follow, right? <laughs> It's it's officially going to be followed just so everybody out there knows when you go to, you know, connect with Drew the world, Drew versus the world on his podcast. It's not going to say subscribe for much longer. It's going to say follow. Got to follow. Um, mm. Yeah. The, the world has changed. It's, it's funny how that one word can switch so many people's kind of mentality towards like a uh, podcast and how you're going to have to like promote yourself. But back mm-hmm. to um, the culture factor podcast 2.0 um what what was one of the the moments where you when when you had to pivot that um you felt um kind of changed the way you wanted to um speak about the podcast was it that you you moved away from the the startup or was there a point where you're like hey this isn't relevant anymore both Great question. Mm-hmm. So when that startup failed, um, the other person was really um, working to take the podcast, saying this is as gracefully as I can. <laughs> and um, so it was, it was a difficult time for me. Uh, I had built it up. And I was a voice in the face of it, and it was really hard for me. And so in that time is actually where the book was born, Drew. I mm. thought for sure I would not come away with the podcast. So I pulled out all of the notes I had taken at YouTube University. <laughs> and, um, you know, I spent 2020 getting my do-it-yourself MBA, I feel like. So I pulled out all my notebooks and I set about writing a manual for Holly Shannon to be able to launch a new podcast. And it was still new enough that a lot of the work wasn't completely intuitive yet. It still was kind of fresh and new starting a podcast. So I, it, I was able to write it from a very organic place. So somebody who has no experience with a podcast could pick up the book. You know, when I had gone online to look at other books, they were written by people, great people, but they already were in the audio space. And I think when you take on something new and you're starting at zero, um, there's nothing that's intuitive about the process. So I went about writing this manual to myself And when I was all done, I realized that I had to share it. Like it would just, it couldn't be just for me. It should be for everybody. And then I went from zero to publishing (laughs) on Amazon and I self-published it in January. (laughs) I know I've been asked that many times, but I have to admit, sorry, Amazon, but your software is extremely clunky. I don't know that I want to go back and try and rewrite that manual. Uh, But it was very exciting for me to launch the book and it has helped, uh, aspiring podcasters 
get going, which really warms my heart. I've gotten lots of wonderful testimonials on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. And so it's heartwarming that I can help somebody and that it's written in such a way that feels accessible. And uh, so I wrote that book. And um, yeah, I around that time, I realized when I did actually come away with the podcast as mine, uh, is when I realized that I also was struggling with the conversation and it needed to be more relevant. It just needed to have like the conversation you listened to on my last Mm -hmm. podcast, which was with Brianne, um, her, so she has a a SaaS platform, a a software called van life, which will soon be called seeker. And so that's for people who are living the remote life, which everybody is right now. So they hop in their car and they live out of yurts and tents, or they have a van or an RV, and they've taken to the road because they were trapped in their little studio apartment. And they're like, well, if I'm going to work remote, I might as well make the best of it and see the countryside. But seeing the countryside could mean if you don't find where to park, where you're going to have proper Wi-Fi and electrical and maybe a place to wash up. Um, It can, yeah, it can be really difficult. And she was saying, you know, a lot of people see all those glamour shots on Instagram of somebody looking at this beautiful mountain (laughs) from their sitting on top of their van, you know, with their laptop. Uh, She said, and it was probably more often not, they were sitting the day before in the Walmart parking lot. So she went about making something more viable to people. And so that's where the conversation is. That is company culture now, because some people are on the road trying to make it work. Um, So I just really like all of the stories. Um, I know that it is a diversion from what I was talking about, and I don't know if my audience will come along for the ride with me as I bump my way through it, or if maybe I'll just find new followers, not subscribers, um, (laughs) that just find my conversations interesting. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that everybody will um, be excited. I I do have myself booted up through May because I have a project coming on deck. Um, and this May I'm going to be interviewing some pretty heavy hitters. I don't, I can't even believe they said yes. So I'm pretty excited. And then I think I'll take the summer off from culture factor so that I can Mm. build this project. I, um, as a, as a freelancer myself, um, I, I build them for businesses. And so I'm working on a a pretty cool project coming up. I can't reveal it yet because it's, it's not inked, but we're getting there. Okay. That, that's <laughs> fingers awesome. crossed everyone <laughs> how so how do you um approach what we in the podcast podcast world call pod fade the moment mm-hmm. where kind of like you feel like it you have so many things you're a mother you're a entrepreneur you got these projects and under your belt how do you approach like okay now i have to come up with idea every week for a podcast you know it's it's interesting um there's some times where you sort of hit that wall and, and you're um, not sure how to go about that. I would say there's probably a few things you might be able to play with. Um, batch recording 
so that you have several things in the hopper. Um, splitting recordings out. So you have part one, part two, which extends you a couple of weeks. Um, perhaps being open to moderating by yourself without an interview, uh, without a guest, I mean, so that you can maybe put together some shorter form content that your clients, you know, your followers might be interested in, uh, where maybe like you read a piece of an article and you reflect on it or, or something like that. Uh, and then I would probably say you might be able to repurpose some older episodes that really resonated with you or were really well received by the audience, uh, and bring them back to light, maybe create an audiogram for them, um, do some posts on LinkedIn about it and try and revive the downloads from people that maybe hadn't seen it before. So I think there's a few things you could do to keep things, uh, still, you know, going, they maybe mm -hmm. wouldn't be at the same level of a weekly release. Uh, but that might be some ways to, to make that happen. I, I hope I answered your question. I, I'm, yes. I'm oh, okay. All right. Yes, you <laughs> did. Sure. And, and, and then I have a follow-up question to that. Um, and you don't have to give too many secrets because it's probably part of your book, but for a new podcaster, what is one thing you would tell them before they start? There'll never be the perfect time. So stop looking at your calendar and making excuses. Uh, technology is not a deterrent. You don't have to have um, a lot of money. In fact, you could do it for free if you have a phone. It may not be the best recording, but as an indie podcaster, I'd rather see you get your voice out there and your ideas and be on iTunes than be held back because you don't have a mic. Um, I have kits on my website that are under $100 if, you ha if you're able to do that. If not, there's a microphone on your phone just start recording, keep picking it up and, and talk about what your podcast is going to be. Um, ask yourself a question and then answer it and listen back to yourself. Um, play, play mm. and, and don't wait. I was in a room yesterday and they were talking about that. That word is so hyper important play, right? As children, we're, we, we are ingrained into learning while playing but as adults, we just lose that sense of like play. And it's interesting if you ever go to if so I do that now. Right. So I, I my young my youngest, my me, my oldest now, she learns by play. So I'm like, hey, let's go outside and let's kick the ball around. Right. We're going to count how many times you kick the ball. And she's learning how to count by kicking the soccer ball around. So it's hyper important that we live we use that same mentality as adults to just play around, have fun. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not going to make money. You're not going to lose money. Just learn. And, and life is such, so, so much more than, you know, the corporate or the sitting down and the, this makes dollars. So it doesn't make sense if we doesn't, if you don't do it, if you do it, I, 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 I want everybody to like, just take a deep breath and just think about what she said play you play is hyper important okay true i just have to tell you that i'm not gonna let you go on that one because i think <laughs> you're so right i mm -hmm. i think you said that so well um you know the brain is a muscle and 
and it can grow and it could learn more over time. So if you just enjoy yourself a little bit, other things are happening in the brain when you're playing. And I have always found as an artist that by learning new things, like learning 3D printing, learning oil mm -hmm. painting, learning fiber art, all of the different things that I've done inform the quality of my work and my creativity. And it's even the same with podcasting, yes. you know, listening playfully, mm -hmm. listening to other podcasts, jumping into a room on Clubhouse and, uh, you know, ideating with people and just having some fun with it, um, going for a walk and listening to music, different things that are just playful, they, they bring about new ideas and you might even be learning in the process, even though you don't think you are, you just think you're playing. A hundred percent. And to take it back to podcasting, that's exactly how I felt. Podcasting, just playing around with interviewing styles and how to talk to people. It's a hundred percent made me a better listener. A hundred thousand percent. A hundred. Like I, I used to be the type of person that I'm just looking at your mouth and waiting for you to shut it up so that I can make, I can just say what I have to say. But now it's like, okay, let me actually think of what that person is talking about before I actually make a comment or make uh, my next statement. It's, yeah, but play, I, I, I can't say it enough. It's so, so important to, to, to maybe even give your chance to fail so that you learn something from your failure. Every, mm -hmm. Everything you do doesn't have to be a success, but everything you do, you can learn from. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So to kind of uh, segue into the next question, what have you learned um, from podcasting and from, yeah, from creating your podcast and from creating your book? That I'm much stronger than I gave myself credit for. Mm. And that female voices matter out there because there's not enough of them. And I truly believe, and it's part of the framework of my podcast, that um, I interview women because people who are listening cannot see themselves as a leader if they don't hear themselves in other leaders. And I have always before it became this hot topic, diversity, equity, inclusion, which is so important that it's mm -hmm. a hot topic now. <laughs> but for me, I always wanted different faces represented on my podcast from the very beginning. I actually refused to do the podcast if it was going to be a bunch of 55-year-old white males that were on my show all the time. Um, it was really important to me to hear diverse voices, and they should sound different and and the pictures of the people I put up, they should look different because that's how we will see leadership. That's how we will see what the world truly looks like if we see and hear that. So I have learned a lot about myself being a female and having a voice now that's got global reach. God, I never thought that was possible sitting in <laughs> middle of Connecticut doing my jewelry. Like, I, you know, I never thought. And here I am. You know, I'm, I have people reaching out to me from Japan and Canada and uh, 
France and I have women reaching out saying, thank you. And I'd love to be a part of the show. So it's, it's all good. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you said, <laughs> everything <laughs> you said. And I, you kind of answered the next question, which is, uh, this is kind of the next question in the, in the, is what have you, this is like the Drew versus the world question. What have you done or what do you want to do to change the world? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I would probably have to say a little extension of what I'm doing. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want to be like the hot plug, like, Ooh, my business, my business, but my business is about launching podcasts for businesses. And I truly believe that, um, if you're your industry's best kept secret, then a podcast might be a great tool for you. And especially for women in business that um, have a hard time elevating their voice above the the noise and above the fray, um, you know maybe they don't get to be in the room, as they say. They don't get a seat at the table. But there's no reason why they couldn't start a podcast and get their voice and ideas out there and be seen as the person that they are and that other people would want to follow. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what any other, any other adjective at this moment is, is just like awesome and amazing. It just come into my head. So I'm going to use those two. It's awesome. And I'll amazing. take it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Uh, great answer. Um, and we're going to go and we're going to pivot into um, the last part of the podcast, which is shots fired. Okay. And shots fired is what I like to call elevated icebreakers. It's about 15 or 20 questions. Um, super rapid fire. First thing that comes to your head, let it fly. And this week we're actually powered by pod decks. So Woo! I will be, here we go. <laughs> we will be using, I will be using the pod decks app to, um, ask some of my questions. And if you go on poddex.com and type in DVSW, you will get 10% off your first purchase of a Poddex deck. So just go to go to poddex.com, type in DVSW, get your first portion, first 10% off of your first Poddex deck. All Love right, that. That's Love my that. Spiel. <laughs> I've seen, and, and no, I think it's great. And I have seen uh, just another shout out for pod decks. I've seen a lot of different um, podcasters using their tools. And uh, so I think it's a really great thing to, uh, to keep podcasting and interviewing fresh. Exactly. That's the hyper important. We talked a little bit about pod fade. That helps a lot with pod fade and a lot with like qu the questions I ask here. <laughs> All right. So are you ready for shots fired? Kind of. <laughs> okay, good. That's good enough for me. I'm a little um, nervous. <laughs> and away we go. This is Shots Fired. What's your favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite sport? <laughs> Brunching at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Oh. God, um, Matrix. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, this is a deterrent from, from the questions. For brunching, what's your favorite drink? Is it 
Bloody Mary or mimosa? Mimosa. Okay, good. Um, what's your favorite cereal? I don't eat cereal. <laughs> what's your favorite <laughs> I'm breakfast? I'm one of the car treats? people. <laughs> <laughs> treat. Oh, chocolate every day of the week. There you go. What's your favorite drink overall? Bourbon from Litchfield Distillery. Nice. Um, what's your favorite TV show? That's a tough one. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I have to say Killing Eve really mm. was like a really cool one to follow. Um, that was pretty intense and really cool. Awesome. What movie do you hate to love? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think. Um, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, one place you want to visit that you haven't yet? Greece. What's one fictional world or place you would like to visit? Oh, I'd like to go uh, to Mars with Elon Musk. Nice. Shout out, Elon. <laughs> Follow. Shout out to Elon. If you ever Let's want go. to come on the podcast, Elon, I will smoke weed with you. I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there we go. Elon, we have two podcasts for you. Drew versus the world and Culture Factor 2.0. Come on. <laughs> um, what do you secretly love about yourself? Uh, I, I would say that Probably it goes back to my um, emotional and empathetic side. I have learned to really love that part of it about myself. What would you go back to school for? Well, I do everything myself for that MBA. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't really need a school to like at this point to drive me forward because I'm. I, I think I'm a bit of like a, you know was an autodidact. Like I teach myself everything mm -hmm. I need to know, but, um, I guess if I had to go back, um, I might go back for my first degree was in an international business. So I mm -hmm. think I would go back to marketing because, um, now that I'm in audio marketing, I feel like it's constantly changing. So it'd be really interesting, I think, to have a deep dive into that provided that the university was as far as head as Holly Shannon. There you go. <laughs> so, um, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a lawyer and live in Australia and have a koala bear. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, that sounds like a TV show. <laughs> koala maybe, so, maybe, maybe it could be a reality show. I could go back to school to become a lawyer. I could live the remote life in Australia with my pet koala and I can have a podcast on that. The lawyer down under. I, I think I, I think we have at 9 p.m. on um, NBC. I love it. <laughs> um, um, you can have any fictional friend as your imaginary friend. Who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a good one. A fictional friend. Or a fictional character. A character. Um, Probably any form of Morgan Freeman. 
because he's played so many interesting characters. I'll mm-hmm. take any of them. Um, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, all right. So I'll, I'll tell some truth here. I used <laughs> to have, oh, wow, this is bad. I so used to have a huge crush on Lenny Kravitz. And mm-hmm. um, I will say there might have been some vodka involved, but I did jump <laughs> on stage at one of his concerts. And this whole security team like scooped me off and he let me stay backstage for, for the rest of it, which was pretty cool. So shout out. Hi, Lenny. There you go. You took the leap of faith and got to stay backstage. You got better seats. I did. And I brought jewelry <laughs> for him as well. I don't know if he ever wore it because, you know, marketing 101, you show up with your game. That, that's awesome. Uh, what, what song would you say des- would describe your life? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, wow. I, that's so tough because I'm such an eclectic person in the area of music. Um, I listen to so much. That's really hard. Maybe, all right, I'll, since I already talked about Lenny, we'll say Let Love Rule at this, at this point, or American <laughs> Woman, or something like that, but just to stay on, on par with brand. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I have so much music. I mean, I, if you could have seen, if you could see what my playlists look like, it, it's shocking. Yeah, you, you and me both. I, at one time, what I used to do is I would pick a new genre every week, and just listen to playlists from that genre. That's a cool idea. I mean, I, mine is pretty diverse. Like you could, you could see like Khalid and you could see Cesaria Evora in my playlist. Like they couldn't be more opposite, but I'm just like, I love everything. That's awesome. Um, it's always good to have like multiple things to listen to. You don't want to get bored. What, mm-hmm. what would be the name of your autobiography? Uh, skidding into home plate. Okay. Um, if you had to be handcuffed to someone for a month, who would it be? My son. There we go. Um, one superpower you want to have. I'm sorry? One superpower you would want to have. Equality. Ooh. Damn. Podzax, bring it. <laughs> that puts every that puts everybody else's uh, answer to shame. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Um, last question: What is your death row meal? Last meal of last meal of life. I need an app. I need an entree, and I need dessert. Seared foie gras for my appetizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lobster roll from West Shore Seafood. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there Wednesday. There you go. And Shout what was out. the last dessert you said? Dessert, yep. Um, a flourless chocolate cake with no raspberry coulis or ice cream or whipped cream with it, just straight up. All right. I've been adding this too. What drink do you go out with? Mm, all right. Well... I don't know what would go with all that. Probably starting with wine for that. And then I would probably finish with 
with bourbon, but I have to say a favorite summertime drink is a Paloma, and I make them myself uh, with fresh squeezed ruby red grapefruit and really good tequila, and that's it. And it is love in a cup. It's so good. <laughs> and one question I wanted to ask that I didn't get to ask, um, you said that you made a lot of transitions, right? And then you was kind of reinventing yourself. What was the reason for that reinvention? I, I haven't asked that question. Uh, so life has intervened many times. Um, as I had mentioned, I had been in the event space doing really large scale uh, events. And um, I had my son and I had some difficulties around that time. So, um, you know, it didn't go as smoothly for me as it did for everybody else, it seemed like. <laughs> um, so I needed to stay home. And so becoming a mother um, required me to sort of reinvent myself. And I always wanted to lean in on my creative side. So I was actually pretty happy that I was able to do that. But then um, I had a house fire and that changed the trajectory again of my jewelry business. And I went back into marketing and, you know, content work and strategy and, and that side of it. And then COVID intervened and squashed that career, you know, anything to do with events got, you know, just dis destroyed. And that's how I got into podcasting, which hopefully is pretty recession proof. And uh, hopefully mm -hmm. I can build that for more people too. But um, yeah, I've had to fly by the seat of my pants on a lot of occasions, um, sometimes by choice and sometimes not so much. Um, but that's life, right? You have to, you just got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps, keep going. And you, you can. Go. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't leave without asking you that question because but this will be the exclusive for everybody who didn't listen to the whole everybody needs to listen to the whole podcast <laughs> to to, uh, to get right. to that question. Um but um can you please tell everybody how they can how they can um get in contact with you, how they can um find you on social media and also any upcoming events you have going on. Yes. So, um, hollyshannon.com and that's my website. And on there you can get my book zero to podcast. You can hire me to, uh, build the podcast for your company. Um, you can take a course on how to be a podcast guest. So there's one way you could reach me and have some great tools in the process. Um, I am on LinkedIn at Holly Shannon one. I am on clubhouse at Holly Shannon. So come follow me there and join in the conversations. I, I do live interviews now, um, on clubhouse, uh, for culture factor. So people could get, um, a very live community based interactive experience. And then I push that content out to iTunes and Spotify and, and all of those iHeartRadio and so forth. So, um, come join because I'm really enjoying that's where I met Drew and he might be one of the coolest dudes on there. So follow him too. And, um, make sure you follow both of our podcasts. Cause I think, uh, we're in for some fun times. Again, Holly, thank you so much for taking the time out to be on the podcast. Um, thank you for such a great, such, such a great perspective on all the things you do. I, I learned some, I, it's, it's 
I just know you from Clubhouse. Now I, I feel like I, I know your whole life now. <laughs> and everybody um, else so, does too. <laughs> exactly. It's out there. Um, so the last thing we do here on the podcast is say the catchphrase. And the catchphrase is love, peace, and chicken grease. Oh, love, peace, and chicken grease. Yeah. I love that. And I love fried chicken. That is like my favorite. That's one of the things I miss when I lived in Connecticut. There was a place that had like really good fried chicken, but I actually found a place in DC that makes mm -hmm. it on Sunday brunch killer mm -hmm. with like some little pancakes. So yeah, love, peace, and chicken grease. Go Drew. There we go. And we're out. This has been another episode. Drew versus the world.